Welcome, welcome, welcome to Lost Man Standing, the podcast where we explore spirituality, ecology, and sex. I am your host and guide, Rainier Wild, on my continuing mission to help explore the manosphere. <laughs> oh, man. It has been too long since we've been able to talk. Actually, I've been just super busy um, lining up some solid gold shit, to be honest. Um, can't wait to unroll some of the goodness with you and for you. Um, we do have some amazing podcasts actually lined up. I'm sitting here looking at my calendar. Um, got seven podcasts, uh, seven guests uh, in the upcoming days and weeks who I'm interviewing, a big game hunter, artist and provocateur. My God, I am so interested in this guy. I cannot wait to get this Hemingway-esque man on and talk to him, truly. Um, Also have a, a body movement, a movement expert, as well as just one of the leaders in the international men's world, um, a guy from Ireland who I'm really excited to have on. Um, turns out when I was doing a pre-interview with him, uh, I totally forgot about international charges. For whatever reason, I thought we existed in a world of flat uh, rates. Not so. Not so. Well, that's uh, that was an expensive pre-interview right there, but I think it was worth it. Great guy. Also, the return of Nick and Drew, another special menage a trois episode. Um, have a couple of really uh, other uh, fun ones coming up um, that I'll talk more about as we get closer. Also going to be unrolling something in the coming weeks that I am personally um, really thrilled to provide, and that is a guide for men to access uh, their essential self. This is something that I have been talking about, that I've been trying to put forward um, in the last uh, several uh, months, and as I've been posting more and more along these lines. Uh, The reality is men have to access all of themselves. They have to, right? Um, Because as I've said so often, men work hard at jobs they can't stand to pay bills they didn't rack up for kids they barely get to see, living with a wife they feel they don't know anymore. Uh, And honestly, the men I talk to are beginning to believe that the only answer is numbness and to just forget the idea of the good life. And I want to introduce uh, a better way I want to introduce a path forward that helps them access what lies beneath because the reality is men don't just need another set of rules to follow. They need permission to rediscover their own soul with all of its shadows, with all of its gold. They don't need a dummy's guide to masculinity at all. There are so many books that give us advice and tell us what we ought to be. Here's the bottom line. Pressure does not necessarily inspire. As I said again, men need permission to get in touch with their passions and their being and to live from that. And if men want to be courageous, they need to discover their own soul and to stop hiding. 
That is exactly what I am uh, designing this online course for. It is going to be a companion's guide to rewilding yourself, to deconstructing all of the bullshit, all the stuff that gets piled on top, the conditioning, the circumstances, your choices, other people's choices, on and on until we access that hidden genius, that essential self. And I am so excited. This comes from years of different experiences, whether it's a a group uh, guide, uh, my education, my experiences working together with men, as well as drawing from my own teachers, the people who, who brought me into a deeper level of awareness. And I really am excited to, to give that to you. Um, so you'll hear about that in the coming days and months. The guest we have today is uh, just a fascinating beast of a brother. Mike Sagun is a powerful presence. He's a coach. He's a healer. He's a men's group leader. I loved chatting with him uh, about the need for men to tap into their emotions, to build what he calls unshakable lives, to create tribe with other men. I also explore with him the dangers and the opportunities of social media and living with intention. One of my concerns, and you'll hear me express this to him, is that social media, digital connection, becomes a replacement for men trying to have profound tribal experiences. But as he really guides me into a greater level of understanding, this is simply a funnel. It's a way of helping men access what they can, where they are, and then beginning to take deeper and deeper dives. I love his perspective on it. This guy is legit, and I was honored to have him on Lost Man Standing. You'll notice the audio isn't as clear as possible. We're continuing to work on this. Honestly, I prefer that most of my guests are live. Uh, But as I do interview an expanding uh, repertoire of men, I am noticing uh, that we need to figure out some sort of way to bring you the highest level of quality possible. And I'm hopeful that that we'll be doing that. I'm I'm in the uh, works of dialogue with several engineers who are helping together with that. Hey, if you are a man and you have benefited from this podcast and any possible way. If you are someone who enjoys listening, if you're someone who enjoys reading the articles over at evolvingwild.live, would you take the time to migrate over to either Google Play or uh, or iTunes and and write a review or give a five-star rating? We love to see those, but it also helps us um, reach men who are trying to figure out the balance between the pro bro and the yoga mat. We desperately need to come up with a better solution than the either or of the macho or the sensitive. Um, We we need to have and integrate both. And this podcast, Last Man Standing, is about helping men do that. It's about helping each of us uh, as men return to that integral place of consciousness and goodness. All right, gentlemen, I am going to leave you to it. Uh, Without further ado, this is Last Man Standing. Enjoy the show. Bye-bye. Sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't.
care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. This life's hard, man, but it's harder if you're stupid. I've been around, you know. There was a time I could see, and I have seen, but there is nothing like the sight of an amputated spirit. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Today, woo, I've got the style and profile like never before. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here. I'm the man. Dude, the ha- I need, now I just need your beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just two days growth right here. So <laughs> it's incredible. You see, you white people, you could do it. You do it. Like oh my gosh! <laughs> us, us brown guys, we like it, as Filipinos, especially. It takes a few months to grow. And I'm actually growing mine out right now. Oh, that's this, awesome! This is three days old. <laughs> wow. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah, you know what? For the first time in my life, right before Halloween, I decided uh, this might be interesting. I decided to shave my head, which it's the first time I've ever even cut my hair short, um, and I did it for a very specific reason. So I was growing it out. It was actually pretty long. I was putting it back in the old pony, and uh, and I looked at it. Uh, on Monday, and I said to myself, I, I, I want something different. I want to change. And a friend of mine said, shave it all off. And you know what happened to me? I said, in my heart of hearts, no, no. <laughs> because I, as a kid, had golden hair. And my mama said, oh, this hair is your glory and your crown, boy. And I bought into that shit my whole life. Uh, and so I got to tell you that what happened in me, I looked at my head and I said, dude, I'm going to push past this fear. I'm going to confront my own mortality and I'm going to let it ride. So I don't hate it. (laughs) I I think it looks really good right here. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I have the same kind of complex. Uh, so I, I come, come from a family of thick hair growers, thick, thick my entire life, um, I knew that I was going to have thick hair until I hit 29. <laughs> the back of my head started to go a little bald. And I noticed it in a picture and my insecurities just went, holy cow. Yeah. And I used to rock the mid bun. I used to have it up tight. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cut it up. Cut it short. I'm going to bring it back to my elementary school days. I'm going to cut it short. And I and I'm, I'm going to, this week, I'm going to shave it all off. You're going to uh, do it. As as I'm going to do it. And uh, I'm going to keep it that way. And I'm going to grow a beard. So you and I will be twins, man. We will stand in solidarity together. All right, Mike. Hey, I want to ask you, uh, what the hell do you do? Tell my audience <laughs> who you are and what is it you're about? What do you do? That's a really great question. So I am a men coach. And I help men slow down. Mm. So they can build unshakable lives. Wow. And sometimes that it's a rebuild in their life. Mm. Um, and essentially, I help men get unstuck wherever they are in their life. Um, whether that's personal growth, relationships, um, personal development, uh, career, money, physical environment, friends mm. are a huge thing, community. Um, so somewhere that they feel really stuck in their life and I help them uh, um, get unstuck from those places. 
Where do you notice that, I mean, you listed a, a lot of categories right then. What are the ages that, that men seem to get stuck in the most? Are there natural transition points in life where they get bogged down? You know, that's crazy because research shows that by the age of 25, mm. right out of college, and men start to go into work and then meet partners and uh, start to get married. Um, their connections and their friend cycles start to go away. Mm-hmm. By 35, men start to feel loneliness. Mm. And that's when men start to feel, figure out, like, what the heck is happening in my life where there's something that's missing. And um, by age 45, men are in complete loneliness. And wow. that's where we see this, this common trend in suicides for men, um, mostly white here in America, the skyrocket um, statistic of males committing suicide between the ages of 45 and 65. Wow. So my, 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 um, my clients range from the ages of 27 to 63, right? Hmm. Yeah. You know, Carl Jung talked about uh, and really had a, a principle of not working with men under the age of 40. Um, mm. His reason, of course, was because um, men didn't have necessarily the scaffolding or people didn't have the scaffolding, he felt, the ego development to work with at that point. But I think what you're pointing out is so interesting that it almost takes getting stuck right? It takes enough life experience to actually get bogged down, right? You almost need a fall in order to do the work that you have to do to become the person you need to be. Right. It's like, what is your rock bottom? Mm. When was your rock bottom? Or when were the times you hit rock bottom? Right? For me, I, hit, I felt like I, I've hit rock bottom three significant times in my life where I knew that I needed to get some help. Hmm. And I was lucky enough to have adults in my life to foster that kind of love and growth where they made it accessible for me to ask for help. Hmm. But many men don't have that kind of resource. Um, And we're taught here in America, and it might be even true in other countries, that men are allowed to be angry, frustrated, but they can't show sadness. Hmm. They can't sometimes can't even be excited or elated. Yeah. So, uh, and that's what I was taught when I was a young boy too, was like when I showed so much excitement or happiness, my parents or my, my grandparents would tell me that I was causing too much attention. I was getting too much attention. Oh, interesting. Right? And I was getting everyone's eyes on me. That's right. And so that huge complex for me. Um, but we don't teach men that it's okay to, when we feel stuck, it's okay to feel stuck. Hmm. And it's okay to say, okay, I need some help right now. I was lucky enough to have adults that were like, hey, ask for help. And I'm here to, to give you help without any judgment, with all love, with all compassion. Wow. And I think that's where um, a lot of my, uh, my purpose, you know, my, my why came into play. And that's mm-hmm. how I kind of figured out my whys was I hit rock bottom all these several times in my life. And I was always able to pick myself back up. Mm-hmm. And I figured holy cow, what is that about asking for help that lights me up, that, that resonates so well in my heart, that makes me the person I am today? And so uh, I, that's how, what's led me to coaching. Is mm. I was in education for many years, and then I figured, I figured I could make a bigger impact, and I went into doing coaching. 
it sounds like you had to go through your own valley of the shadow in order to come to a place where you could be a healer, a wounded healer. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm paraphrasing this, is from, from Buddha. But he said, every buried seed must succumb to a pressure and a darkness it cannot see before emerging into the light. Oh, that's good. So many times in my life where I felt that darkness, Mm. where I felt I was buried under so much soil and I was compacted in. And it was in I there's on the other side of that is uncertainty. Mm. Right. I was like, I don't I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life, or I don't know what I can do with my life. And just making one step forward, which sometimes looks like acknowledging it and saying, yeah, I feel stuck or I feel like I'm in the darkness or I feel sad. Or it could be asking someone like, hey, can you share my feeling? And that's that's an incredible skill for a man to have. That's an incredible skill for any person to have. Um, But especially for a man to get with another person to open up that way. Men have just, I even think, uh, archetypically, the masculine does not do well with uncertainty, right? I'm thinking of some of our most ancient myths, right? You have, you have Marduk slaying Tiamat, the, the multi-headed dragon of chaos, right? And Marduk is this male god in Sumerian mythology, and, and he births the universe out of the slaying of chaos. You know, even the Hebrew scripture begins with, with uh, light and being called out of darkness, order being called out of chaos. And I think of those as particularly kind of masculine um, images. Men don't do well with uncertainty at all. Yeah, you know, it, it's like our concept of the lone wolf mm. has kind of betrayed us these days. I, there's there's yeah. so much power in in solitude and understanding what solitude is, mm. right? And that's different from being lonely. Mm. Right? And I think there is, it gets muddled and men... Um, sometimes get those two confused of being solid, so, being solitude and being lonely. And I think there are more men that are lonely than men that are in complete solitude. Could you talk more ab- about that difference of solitude versus uh, aloneness or loneliness, maybe? Yeah. So I, I, I like to think of it this way. So have you ever heard of like vision quests? Yeah, sure. Where people go out into the wilderness and. Um, they, usually it's with um, like fasting for four days and they're mm. by themselves. There's intention behind that. Mm-hmm. Right? There's intention to be alone so that you could gather strength. For many introverts, it's like being alone so that they could get recharged. Mm-hmm. You know? And we need that. We need a time in our space where we could reflect, we could breathe, we could slow down. And it's completely intentional for us mm. to be alone. Loneliness is a is unintentional, uh, and it could stem from it could stem from um, just baggage and conditioning that people have learned from their past, traumas that they've learned from their past. You know, uh, there's a there's a, a skyrocket in um, social anxiety, yeah. right, where people are afraid to be with other people, and they get they get anxious around other people, so they they keep themselves alone. They push everyone out. Mm. right and so there's and there's also skyrocketing just anxiety in general Mm. right and that promotes loneliness where people don't want to push up against their comfort zone and they isolate themselves 
and they put themselves in their homes and they're not connecting with anyone or anything. That's right. And that is, that's an epidemic. Loneliness is a fucking epidemic. Yeah. We're seeing it more and more here in the United States. And now it's more dangerous than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and obesity. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. It's insane. And I think what's insane about it is we're all walking around with these, these little devices which purport to connect us, right? But clearly we're feeling more and more isolated and alone and less and less connected. And, and that to me is mind boggling that it's almost having, and I don't know if it's that, but it does seem to be that in spite of our best efforts, there's a reversal that's happening rather than making gains. Yeah, and, and I think one of my intentions with, with the way that I use social media, um, the way that I use Instagram or even Kumu is to connect people mm-hmm. with the message, uh, to directly message someone on, on, uh, on Instagram or even on Kumu and start a conversation. Yeah. And, and even if it's possible, like, let's get face-to-face with each other. Mm-hmm. I think also um, I do this like um, I do this social media detox every year. Oh, tell me about that. Phone unplugged every year, and it usually is in January where I just like cut all social media out. Mm. And social media, it's that's hard for me because I use it for my business. Yeah, it's a, it's a great tool for me to use for me to to gain clients and to put my content out there. Um, but I feel sometimes where. Um, I'm holding on to that device for so long. Mm-hmm. Now, my phone, now my phone tells me how many hours I spent on the screen at the end of the week. I just got, I just got the report this morning. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. And it was like, it was like you're, you're three hours more than the previous week. And I was like, oh, oh I'll tell you my number if you'll tell me yours. <laughs> I, so this week I spent an average of 33. No, I spent a total of three hours and 45 minutes looking on my phone. Okay. Yeah. A total of, a total of 33 hours. And, and is that right? Yeah. 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 I, I, I unfortunately have you be, I was at 38 and I felt, I saw that number and I felt like shit. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I am the worst version of myself suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like you, you know, the, the, the social media detox is yeah. so, so powerful because Finally, we can give ourselves, especially for us business owners or people that are trying to make a movement on Instagram or on social media, yeah. it gives us great to just breathe. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and I can't imagine, I mean, social media, uh, there's also research behind social media promoting loneliness, right? Mm, and yeah. Right? And um, putting up facades and making people feel like you're living this certain life, but you're really not. That's right. right? There's a disconnection there. And so when I go on my social media detox, I am, I, I take it off my phone, I erase it from my phone. Uh, I don't put it on my computer at all. And I just take the time to, sometimes I just develop content, right? I'll just yeah. write, 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 write. Or sometimes I just will take that time to do other things, like focus on myself. Mm. What do you notice during that detox time about yourself? Oh my gosh, like my focus and attention to details and to tasks are way more, um, I guess, focused. Mm. Like I'm, I'm way more productive. Um, now I do this thing where I plan out my posts 
and that okay. helps me. Yeah. Right. Like okay, just like three hours. This is what I'm doing for the week. Right. And, and that allows me to do other things. Um, but in the past, I mean, gosh, like if I, I, I could, it would take me sometimes 45 minutes to write one post, right. I'm not a writer. That's not who I am. Mm. I'm more of a, a video guy, visual. I could talk on spot. Um, but writing is accessible for people. And so I do it. Mm. And so if I'm, if I'm, developing five posts in a week, that's like five hours in a week that I'm dedicated to five posts, right? Right. But now that I, I plan it, it's like three hours here, cool, this is what I need to get done, and then it's done. Mm -hmm. It's like way more focused. And so that's what I get from, I'm kind of going off in, in different directions. And that's different so good. Different it, but, it really hones you in. Yes. Focuses you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, yeah. And so this, this social media detox, I feel way more connected with my people. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't have, I don't feel that like, let me check how many likes I get. I'm so guilty of that. Seriously. You know what I mean? <laughs> like how many likes did I get? And like, if I don't get a certain amount, just like a little feeling that I have of like, was that, was that valuable enough? Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. And I mean, and, and that's a, that's a dopamine surge, right? Like that's looking great. at like, here's a happiness. And oh my gosh, I got like, a hundred likes on this post mm -hmm. dopamine releases. And then I get that high of like, great, I did something great, but it's misleading. That's right. Right. It's misleading. They actually did. Uh, I'm thinking of two different studies. One of them is actually already years old and it wasn't related to social media, but it was related to social separation. So what they did was they, they brought people in, they set them down, they hooked them up to these, um, uh, monitors, um, that were looking at the brain, uh, the brain capacity and, and the neurology of it all. And they told these people that you're going to be playing online volleyball. Uh, with other participants and you're on a team with other players. Now the truth was um, there were no other players. It was just computer generated players. And so the first round, there was a lot of passing. There was a lot of camaraderie, a lot of uh, instant messages sent back and forth between the computer generated players and this real person saying, great job, nice shot, all this stuff. And of course there was the dopamine spike. There was the enjoyment. There was the thrill that happened. Very predictable. Um, the second round, what happened was they had the CPU players drop off their encouragement. Suddenly there were no encouragements going back. And the third round, there were actually derogatory comments. You suck. This is horrible. And what they found was that the part of the brain that was stimulated with this relational withdrawal was the exact same part of the brain that would uh, react if you took a fist to the face. It wasn't... Your amygdala reacting? Exactly. Exactly. And it was, it was a physical blow. I mean, that's what's so incredible about social distancing. The second study I'm thinking of actually correlated the same event that when people feel a, a social media lack, they, they feel the same social withdrawal. If you stop talking to me on, on Instagram tomorrow, I would feel it as though you were a friend I had in real life who suddenly dropped off. So we're walking around wounded literally by virtue of how many likes we may or may not be getting. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's so interesting and so scary at the same time. Yeah. I, I love then your fast that you take. Yeah. It's, oh my God, it, it feels so good. 
But I mean, like, I think about that and like, I'm totally guilty of those things. Yes. <laughs> right? like, I'll own up to it. Like, it's convicting I'm, hearing you talk about this. What's <laughs> that? It's convicting hearing you talk about this. Suddenly I'm thinking, oh man, here comes January detox month for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. January is usually like no alcohol and no, no social media, like true cleanse. Oh, I like this. Well, I don't like it, but it sounds like it might be necessary. <laughs> It, it, it's it's really good for the body, really good for the soul. So you you talked about a lot of your work being uh, online or internet based, digital based. I'm assuming with clients, right? You're you're coaching men across the miles. How does that work? Yeah, so we hop on Zoom, just okay. like this. Yep, and uh, so that we can see each other face to face, and um, we we go into a coaching session from there. We also, mm. I also host men's circles, cyber men's circles. Oh, wow. Um, I'll get seven guys from my Facebook group, uh, the first seven guys to log in get, gets a seat, and the eight of us will sit in circle for eight, uh, for, for two hours, and we'll, I'll, I'll facilitate a men's circle. Wow. So, I, you know, I come from the world of therapy and counseling, and it's, you know, psychology is still a new science. <laughs> in, in many ways, I still think of it as a pseudoscience. Um, but it likes to think of itself as a very ironclad medical establishment science. And part of its thinking, we look down our noses at digital counseling, at online opportunities. Disprove that that skepticism right now. How, how have you seen it be impactful in ways that, that maybe a therapist would say, oh, that's not possible. <laughs> well, I had a client uh, from Canada, mm. on the coast of Canada, and uh, we met every other week. And he went from feeling disconnected from his job, feeling disconnected from his kids. Mm. And after six months of working with him face-to-face on Skype, we got him to quit his job, start his business, um, take healthy communication workshops, and reconnect with his with his uh, kids. Wow. He went from self esteem, went from and I and I have this all logged in my books. His self esteem from a one to ten, one being you feel like fucking shit, and ten being I feel fucking awesome, went from a two when we first started working together to averaging out to a seven when we stopped working. Together. Wow, well that's huge. It's huge, right? Yeah. Absolutely, and I do hear the concern, mm. right? Like I, when I coach people face to face, I feel like there is, um, there isn't this physical barrier in front of us. Mm. I could touch them and hold them and hug them and and like physically feel how their body is is moving or vibrating, mm-hmm. right? And it, that creates a certain connection. But I mean, in this digital age. I mean, like, I think it's so important that we utilize these tools in order mm-hmm. for us to help more people. Yeah. Right. I, I'm getting clients from all over the, the all over North America, and I feel that's important that they could find someone that they trust. Right. If they've like tried their hand at therapy with all these different people, and they couldn't connect with that person, but for some reason they connect with me. Yeah. Then hell, let's fucking connect. Right. Let's yeah. let me help you. Let's use the resources we have to accomplish the work we can rather than simply having a teetotaler mindset. 
Yeah, and either or. That's great. I think one of my concerns, and maybe you can talk me through this in your experience, one of my concerns has to do with um, building these communities online. And I'm particularly thinking of the idea of brotherhood and um, real tribe, but it's only abstract. It's only online. Can you speak to that at all? What's your experience around that? Yeah, you know, um, I think you can bring up something really important there because, hmm, let me sit with this really quick. You know, social media and Facebook groups um, or Instagram groups or whatever kind of cyber group you're in um, is, I feel like it gives access and it's mm-hmm. accessible for guys to test out what vulnerability can look like. That's good. I think it is a way, just like how it's easy to bully online. Oh, yeah. For us to write out and be vulnerable online as well. Mm. And I think um, if we think of um, like a funnel, I think like bottom of funnel is a true connection, mm. right? Where guys get to be with each other and like embrace that true brotherhood face to face. I think the top of funnel are these Facebook groups. Okay. Are the, groups where guys get to just like put their foot in and see what is this like and how can I get support from an online community Mm. and then the next step is maybe to hop on a phone call with one of these guys that you you might connect with online and then the next step is to really get together and that might look like let's get a a men's group going um, in this physical space let's go to one of their retreats Mm. and so that's what I love about the, the, the cyber men's groups that I'm a part of is that that's what it's about. It's about like, how can we connect from all over the world? Mm-hmm. How can we converge and come together at one point for a weekend and then really develop that true connection? Wow. And then that's where, that's where the real connection happens. Right. And it lasts for a lifetime. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been, I've been part of men's groups online for years and the very first time I met someone in real life, and we've, we've only talked online, right? And the first time we, we, we uh, met each other in life, we spent eight hours on a couch just talking. Wow. Crying and just sharing our life. I'm getting chills just thinking about that moment. Mm. Uh, but that's powerful, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I feel like these devices we use can be a really beautiful tool for us to create connection and to get to a place where we feel comfortable sharing who we are and then coming to a place where we can meet, get stepping out of our comfort zone to meet and really share who we are face to face. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. I think that that uh, is, especially for younger and younger generations is becoming the reality. I'm, I'm thinking about the very first, I don't know if you actually remember, there was a, there was a game called EverQuest. Do you remember this game called EverQuest? It was like a fantasy second life kind of thing. And it was a role-playing game. Yeah. And I didn't play it, but I had a friend who got really into it. I mean, like called into his job multiple days sick so he could be an elf Lord, you know? And, uh, and it was really interesting because he actually met someone on in the game EverQuest and they ended up 
eloping together. Like they ended up getting married out of the game. And I remember thinking, that's not going to last, you know, totally. (laughs) They're still around like 15 years later, it's still a thing. And that's really interesting to me. And I think like it kind of blew my mind. We're living in a brave new world. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I mean, I I met my partner. I met my husband online. Wow. Okay. Dating sites. And it was, it was, it was actually a hookup site, right? It was Grindr.com. Yeah, it was Grindr, which is supposed to be a dating site, right? But it's really a hookup site. And we met and just like fell in love. Okay. That's so funny. You know, again, the expectations that we enter something with um, versus the outcomes. Like I hear hookup site, I'm not thinking lifelong partnership, but that is clearly where it ends. I wasn't either. I was not thinking about lifelong partner. I was like, this is a one and done thing, honey. I'm out of here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and we just felt the spark, you know? That's amazing. And, uh, it, in my friend group, in my core friend group, there are two other couples that have met online too. Wow. Right? So I, I think that's good to hear you talk about because it relieves some of my worry or some of my uh, anxiety about digital versus uh, face-to-face brotherhood and some of that. That It kind of creates a framework that I can use to think about because I get really judgy, you know, <laughs> about that. And then I think, well, okay, speaking of, of tactile, real presences, you actually – Correct me if I'm wrong. You recently just had a a men's gathering that happened not too long ago. Is that right? Yeah, we we hosted a, a we had our very first every man men's group last Monday. So have you? Can you tell me? Well, so only from what you shared very minutely, and I'd love to hear more about it and your experience with it because it sounds fascinating. Yeah. So every man is this powerful organization that is blowing up right now. They started, they had their first retreat in December, 2016. And now they have, um, I think over 75 men's groups all over North America. Wow. And 25,000 men signed up on their email list. They were just on the today show last Friday. Um, and, uh, they have a huge spread on men's health that's being released in November. Mm the middle of this month. Um, but it was started by two guys, Dan Doty and Owen Marcus. And Owen Marcus is this old school menswear guy who's been doing men's work 40 years. He was part of um, Mankind Project, which is probably like one of the pioneers of men's work uh, retreats and men's work uh, groups. Um, but Owen and Dan started Every Man, and uh, their intention was essentially to um, bring healing into men to heal men, help men heal. Uh, and so part of what their core program is, or pro, uh, core uh, uh, program in their company is these men's groups that they have all around the United States. And mm. I hosted the first one uh, in Oakland, Bay Area's first Everyman men's group last Monday. Congratulations. Thank you. It was beautiful. It was seven guys in my garage. We sat in circle and... Um, uh, the, the core of the work is about slowing down mm. is to get back in touch with how we're feeling in our body. Uh, so it's like somatic work, yeah. uh, getting in touch with our feelings and where we feel those feelings in the body. Uh, we as men, we tend to not feel our body 
and we don't have the same type of emotional vocabulary that women do. Right. Uh, and so in the men's groups, we focus on one, teaching that vocabulary to men and also learning how to feel those emotions in their body, wherever they feel it. I, we, you know, I have clients that are, or I've had clients that come to me that are like, I, I don't ever feel, and I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, <laughs> I'm calling your shit out. You know what I mean? Like if I punched you in the face, what do you feel? You know, like it would hurt, right? Yeah. And so it's really teaching guys to slow down and check in with their body, mm. notice what they're feeling, breathe into these feelings and really bring those feelings out and like really magnify these feelings and not suppress it, right? Like mm. many of us, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, I, I do this all the time when, when I feel the, the, the feeling of crying come up, I feel it, I especially feel it in my sinuses, it starts to tingle and I know that's when I'm about to cry and I hold my breath and I mm. don't let the feeling overtake me. Yeah. I don't want to people. Mm. So my work is breathing into it and really focusing my energy in my sinuses and the tingling sensation so that I can really just release and let it out. And you know, once you hit that valve, it's like, boom, you're like, it showers all day. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that's the power. That's the power of men's groups. Is it's safe. Men mm. um, have permission to share whatever they're feeling. That that includes joy and happiness too. So we could celebrate them, uh, and it is completely confidential. So mm. whatever happens in that group stays in that group. It sounds like it's um, a process group, right? Where what's important is not necessarily this outcome of well, I I was able to lift a hundred extra pounds. I was able to to lose that thirty pounds that I've been wanting to, and I was able to get a new woman. Raw, raw, raw. You know, like it sounds like the process is actually what's important. Yeah, and that's that's why the breath work and slowing down is so important. Because in order for us to step into the process, we need to slow down and get present. Mm. Right. We we um, in order for us to get deep into these emotions, we need to slow our nervous system down. Right? We need to like all that inflammation in our body is causing us to like think about other things and to go off different directions with our mind. And so we open up every, every meeting with a meditation, 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And one of the members needs, and it's, it, the group is co-facilitated by everyone. So everyone has ownership of the, the group. Oh, that's fantastic. And everyone has an opportunity to, um, to lead a meditation, to ask questions to be bold and help help another person move through some of these emotions and um the power is in really just taking some breaths mm. you know? the power of the breath say the power of the, the the breath absolutely that's right and um you know in in many of our states especially in in this masculine state of purpose it's like drive 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 go 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 which makes us think about different things that we need to do which shortens our breath right mm. so we're not taking deep breaths mm. and these deep breaths that we take when we fill our stomach our chest and even our head that calms our nervous system down mm -hmm. so that our amygdala isn't constantly like fight flight or freeze mode right That's right and in our campus like the top of our head can finally like cool let's sit and process this and let's like empathize and like let's feel some compassion and then let's plan what we can do 
Right. Yeah, so, I, I used to say it's it's like turning on the air conditioning in a hot house, right? I mean, like it just brings relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, we're going to turn on the air conditioning. This <laughs> idiot. Of course, we should turn on the air conditioning, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah we got to cool it down, right? That's I, right. If, we're, if our heart rates are are beating at one hundred miles an, an hour, we're going to mm-hmm. slow that down. Right? We're, we're one of back to our extremities so that we can start feeling our hands again and our feet again. We're so we're one of the only mammals. I actually think we're we're the only mammal that holds our breath, uh, which is really interesting. That you know we are very detached from this idea of circulatory or continuous breathing. Um, and what it, about whales and dolphins? Do they hold their breath? Hmm. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to say you've just proven me wrong, um, but I'm grabbing for my digital device right now to combat this. <laughs> We'll correct it if it's wrong. If not, we'll keep it as is. We will, we will release a statement, <laughs> an apology to mammals everywhere if I have spoken incorrectly. Allow me to say we might be one of the few. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, but it's interesting because we have, again, mythologized. This has always been a passion of mine, mythology, our most ancient stories. But, but we have mythologized the importance of breath um, in, in some of our biggest stories. The Hebrew canon itself, you know, you, you have um, the patriarch Moses, uh, who is arguably one of the founders of the, the, the Hebrew faith. And he asks the deity, he asks God, what's your name, right? And God responds, according to the, to the rabbis, with what they call the tetragrammaton, which is, I, I am, he says, I am what I am. But, but the, the rabbis, they wouldn't write out that name. They would just, they would write out simply the consonants of it. They wouldn't write the, the full name itself. And um, what they say, it's Y-H-W-H. And what the rabbis have said is that that, that that phrasing is as close a phrasing to the human breath as possible. And so the divine name in, in the Hebrew religion is actually something that humans are born in the cradle breathing. And so from cradle to grave, we're, we're, we're doing the divine action of breathing, right? We're that tied to it. And I I love this, that actually breath work is so deeply sewn into our, into our spiritual fabric. We knew it was important. Yeah. And, and I think we're coming to an age where we're, we're relearning how important it is. Mm -hmm. That's so good. It is for us to take deep breaths. Often, often I'll ask people to take a deep breath, and they're so shallow. Like they don't know how to take a deep breath. Right? Mm. They just go. <sighs> a panic breath. A panic breath. Yeah, absolutely. And and that is like a, for me, it, it's a gateway into their their breath practice, mm. right? And not giving themselves permission to breathe deeply. And one in a circle, once we get guys to breathe deeply we allow them and give them permission to step into that emotion that emotion just comes right out wow why why should men feel deeply i i I sit here and i'm thinking i'm hearing you say this but i guess i'm just going along with you because i happen to agree but i want to hear what why should we feel these deep emotions that you're talking about Hmm. Hmm. i think uh well when we we feel deeply into our emotions we learn and we master who are 
yeah. we master our mind, we master our heart. And I think that's, that's, that's the lesson in life is to master ourselves, is to figure out who we are as people. And once we are um, aware of our emotions and once we understand our emotions, we can then make a decision or make a step forward into um, our purpose, into creating a life that we want. When we are so consumed by our emotions because we don't know how to, um, one, name it, and two, we don't know how to feel it, it can become suffocating for us. And I see it as like, um, like a, a, a balloon. When we suppress or even repress, right? Like over years, it becomes repression. When we don't acknowledge our emotions, we just continue to repress it without even knowing. But it's like we continue to blow in this balloon every time we suppress, right? And that balloon gets bigger. And what's going to happen when that balloon pops? I mean, when that balloon gets huge. Right? <laughs> yeah. And what does that pop look like? That pop looks like, you know, we've seen it looks like aggression. It yeah. also looks like um, yelling and being um, angry at something that we don't quite understand what we're angry at. It looks like blame, like pointing fingers at everyone. And it also looks like loneliness. It looks yeah. like pushing everyone away. And, and it also looks like suicide. Uh, right? Right. Sort of where we started. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And so understanding deeply how we are as human beings and how we emote and how we feel is an incredible skill to have because then once we understand how we feel, we can then help other people feel. We can give them permission to feel. I'm I'm chuckling in part, and you probably hear it too, and those of you who are in my audience, I, I have a wily Scottish terrier who is barking in the background and he is not in control of his feelings right now. He is, he is being mastered by them. He has heard a danger and he is reacting. His, <laughs> anyway, caused me to chuck. Like during a coaching session, she'll like hear another dog outside and start going, <laughs> like in a really deep moment with with my clients and it'll just like take us out of it and i have to bring the client back it's like it's a mess sometimes i i understand you i feel you thank you i actually want to go back though something you said sparked a connection for me and i, I did want to ask your perspective on this what's going on right now in the world between the masculine and the feminine because you know i'm i'm almost 39 years old. It's a short life, but I can't think of a time in my lifetime when I have seen the masculine and the feminine seemingly at each other's throats as much as they are today. It feels like, it feels like these polarities are, are at war. Do you observe this or maybe I'm not looking at it through the right lens? We're seeing a lot of polarity since right now <laughs> that's true i mean like in everything right in mm. like politics especially right now everyone's super divisive and like that's right. in gender right super mm. divisive in sports oh my goodness like so <laughs> much it's like so divisive yeah and um i th i think there is a movement happening though mm. There is a movement that is integrating both masculine and feminine. Mm. And seeing a lot of, uh, 
women have been doing it for a long time now, like really embracing their masculine power, stepping up to the plate and being CEOs of companies and being VCs and like being leaders at these big companies or starting their own business, right? Like really owning their masculine purpose to be the leader that they are. Mm -hmm. And we're also seeing uh, more men embrace their feminine energy, mm. their emotions and softening up and breathing and caring and fostering growth and, and nourishing love. And um, I think the divide, the polarity that we're seeing is waking people up. <laughs> ah. And we need to come, we're, there's like this gray area where we're like, let's just seek understanding. Can we do that? Can we just right. be curious? Like, let's like, we don't have to like side with each other, but let's just be curious about how each other thinks and how each other feels. Mm. And every man just did a, um, um, a summit in LA last night, Dan Doty, um, led it. And they did this exercise where, uh, in the, in their workshop where they separated the men and the women. Mm. First they did a meditation and then they separated the men and the women. And then they got all the guys in the circle to face each other, pair up and face each other, and all the women to surround them on the outside watch. Mm. And there were three questions that were asked. And one of them was, what do I not, what don't I want the world to know about me? Mm. And the guys were to answer, the, answer each other eye to eye, facing each other while the women watch. I'm like getting chills thinking yeah, about me too. the power of watching men get vulnerable and sh share their feminine side mm. while women watch wow. it's such a mind-blowing experience right yeah. powerful for the women to see these men get vulnerable with each other where i i i can assume that there were men that got really um that accessed some sadness and some um, maybe tears came out maybe there were even tears of joy but for women to see that that kind of power in men um, gives a lot of, uh, gives me a lot of peace. Yeah. Where I feel like there are a lot of women that feel scared right now. Mm. That feel, and I, and I'm scared with them. Mm. Right. I, there, there are many women who are reevaluating their relationships with men because of what's going on right now. That's right. And so it's our responsibility as men to share that, we are a source of protection and that we are a source of love and, and growth. And we do have access to that. We just need permission. <laughs> and also we just need to be taught how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think that I have always defined myself maybe in the opposite way, which is really connecting with um, the feminine um, and not actually with the masculine part of my own essence. And I think I actually get contacted a lot by men who are in the same camp. And I actually, I honed into something you said, and I wonder if this is the, the secret, the key. It's about intentionality, isn't it? So if I intentionally connect with my feminine side, it's not automatic. It's not uh, just downloaded. It's not enculturated. Or if I intentionally connect with the sacred masculine, it's not automatic. It wasn't what daddy forced onto me. You know, it wasn't what the coach told me to be. It has to do with a level of intentional choice, right? That's how we can integrate. 
And if it's not that, it's just downloading. It's just runoff and this karmic burn, right? That we're just burning off our shit onto each other. Yeah. I mean, I love that because there's so much power in intention setting. Mm-hmm. Right? Doing things deliberately. That's right. Doing things to create a change. Mm-hmm. Taking action to transform. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, there's in, when, when we can set intentions for the way that we live our lives or when we set intentions, even just in our day-to-day, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do I want to accomplish today? What's my intention today? Mm-hmm. Well, how do I want to show up in this world today? Mm-hmm. We could do that. We are consciously making a choice mm-hmm. to, to act a certain way, to be a certain way, to show up a certain way. And when we can have intention behind our life, like, there is... there we're unstoppable mm-hmm. right? and, and, and that's so attractive when we can, when we have intention in our life, people like intention. People see that people mm-hmm. see that there's purpose behind this person. There's drive. There's um, he's make, they are making deliberate action. <laughs> that's right. Think, you know, often we like have these devices and I'm so, I'm so guilty of this of like um, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. So I'm going to pull up my phone and I'm just going to like stare at my phone and read some articles or scroll through Facebook or scroll through Instagram. Yeah. There's no intention behind that. Mm-mm. Actually, the intention behind it is, is, is subconscious for me to distract myself so I don't have to sit in this discomfort. Because I can't tolerate the stress. Yeah. I can't tolerate the stress, so I have to distract myself. Right? That's right. But if we have an intention to take a social media detox, right? Yeah. To make eye contact with someone or just give someone a smile or the, the not not say good when someone asks you how you're doing, right? Rather maybe just like I'm feeling sad right now, but it has nothing to do with you. I'm feeling sad, right? Nothing to do with you. But there's there's so much power and and um what's the what's like authenticity and also um empowerment that's yeah Mm. we are empowered when we can make intentions when we can live a deliberate life when we can make we can we can can live an intentional life it's so good and it it seems like working um that's your work (laughs) helping people uh live with intention helping people choose a deliberate life isn't it yeah Yeah, that's what you do i feel like that's a step to authenticity Mm. it's like I know that men that come to me know that there's something happening in their life. And usually it's some kind of measurement of something, you know, like um, I don't have a girlfriend or I, I don't have, um, I don't, I'm not making the kind of money that I, I should be making right now. You know, mm. it's something like that, some kind of measure. But the intention first is to, I need to get a girlfriend or the intention is I need to make more money. Right. Mm. But the intention behind that is a little off because the intention first is needs to come from within of coming from an authentic place of why do I want to make money? Mm. Why do I want a girlfriend? I'm lonely. Oh shit. Okay, cool. So is the intention is for you not to be lonely. Great. Let's find some connection. Right. Yeah. The intention here is for me to live in the Bay area because I love it here. And I, all my community, my friends are here. Okay, cool. So you want to continue with this lifestyle. You want to live in this lifestyle, mm. right? And it's like, when we can live this in, in, with deliberate, uh, deliberate life, when we can live with intention, like 
authenticity just comes so easily. Right? Mm. Like we're making, we're constantly making decisions that are in alignment with who we are. It's and beautiful. And um, I like I like to give my clients this question uh, when they're about to make a choice, and it's before you make a decision, ask yourself: Is it a hell fucking yes, or is it fuck no? And if your heart says hell fucking yes, then go right to it. If it's mm. not, if it's anywhere below that, then it's a fuck no. Right. Yeah. Listen to your intuition, listen to your gut, listen to your heart, and just make a choice. Mike, man, my heart right now is just saying hell fucking yes to everything you just <laughs> dropped on us. I, I, I really, I have to tell you, you know, the conversation that we had uh, a couple weeks ago, this conversation, I'm just so impressed with um, you, not just as a, as a healer, as a worker, as a, as a coach, but actually just you as a person. And I think, you know, if I lived in the Oakland area, I'd be like, damn, how can I spend more time with Mike? Um, and hell, I'm saying that even now over social media, I'm like, why do we have to fucking take a break in January from each other? You know, <laughs> just, <laughs> um, how can people connect with you? How can people get more in touch um, with your work and, and stay in touch with you? So I am at mike at mikesagoon.com. That's my email address. You can directly send me a message. I love connecting with people um, directly. <clears throat> and my last name is spelled S-A-G-U-N. I'm also on Instagram, Mike period Sagoon. And uh, I do a lot. I post a lot of my content out there. Um, and I, you could also find me on Facebook, Mike Sagoon Coaching, and my Facebook coach. If you're a person that identifies as male, Okay, a person that identifies as male. Great. Um, join my secret group. It, this it's <laughs> my secret group. It's a it's a it's an open secret at this point, folks. I'm just telling you. He just the cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> but the authentic man um, on Facebook, and um, I would love awesome. to add you. Awesome man. And yeah, that's me. Dude, thanks so much for coming on Last Man Standing. And any last words, any thoughts you want to impart to folks and uh, more than what you've already beautifully said? Hmm. Hmm. My go-to is always, you're always at choice. Hmm. You are always at choice. Every moment of your life, you have a choice. What choices are you going to make to live the life that you want? That's awesome. And on that note, thanks for listening to Last Man Standing, folks. Bye.